This is episode 117 of the Landscape Photography Show. And you know what makes a great interview is is not going into it as an interview per se. It, it's more of a genuine conversation that you would have in that person's favorite coffee shop or their safe place. It, it's more coming less prepared than fully prepared. And I think that gives you versatility in what's discussed during an interview or during a discussion with somebody else. And it really opens you up to listen to what that person has to say. And listening is is the, the lost art here in talking with another human being, hearing their story, hearing what they're all about, their past experiences, their personality, how they view the world. That's the most important thing about an interview, and most importantly, what this podcast is is so much about. And that's why I'm so passionate about it and why I love doing it so much. On the podcast today, we have one of those great discussions. This was like meeting Margaret Soraya in her favorite coffee shop, but also like we've known each other for years. It was so easy to connect with her probably because she's so comfortable with who she is and what her approach to quiet photography in the Scottish Isles is all about. You're going to hear all about that in our podcast coming up. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, we're here with Margaret Soraya, who's joining us from a northern Scottish Isle today. Uh, Windy, stormy, has the fire going. I'm sure she's nice and cozy. Margaret, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thank you for talking with me today. Why don't we get started? I know you've done podcasts before. You also have your own. Uh, if anybody is unfamiliar with you and, and who you are and, and what you do with your photography, why don't you give us an overview of how you got started in photography and what led you to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So it's um, a fairly long story, but I'll condense it. <laughs> so I started um, pretty much 18 years ago now as uh, I started up a little business, um, just as I'd had my two children as a wedding photographer. So it was just meant to supposed to be just a little part-time business to keep us going. Um, and it grew um, and developed and, and thrived over the years. Um, it's never been my you know, my number one choice, it was more of a matter of um, me thinking, well, how can I earn some money through photography? So this is the natural way in social photography. It's a great way to earn money. So um, that's what started actually the, the business. And that's developed over the years because my true passion has always been landscape photography. I did landscape photography from 16, when I was 16 onwards. Um, but I, I always was very realistic about that, or maybe maybe too realistic about that. And I never pursued it as actively because um, I couldn't see a way of monetizing it. And then that then naturally takes a back seat in life. Um, but about 10 years ago, I had a, a major life change where I, everything was sort of blown apart. And I looked at what, my, what, what I was doing with my life. Um, and I really realized that I needed to be getting back into the landscape. 
So over the past 10 years, I've worked on that. And um, three years ago, I started off my landscape photography business, which uh, I now lead workshops to the Scottish islands, mostly. I I enjoy remote places and seascapes and waves. Um, So that's doing quite well. And um, I'm running that alongside my weddings and my commercial work as well. Why do you think that's the typical path? Like, if somebody's getting started in photography, can't figure out how to monetize it, immediately go to family portraits, weddings, things like that. And then slowly, it almost seems like people say, you know what, this this isn't my passion. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah, I think it's something that it's probably quite common, isn't it? Um, it's, it's a natural... Um, easy easy access to monetizing photography relatively quickly so and it's certainly well it's not easy actually because at the end of the day building no building a wedding photography business and and you know executing that well and sustainably is actually very very difficult it's probably one of the hardest things you could do in photography um I, and people could argue against that but i, I do think it's it, it provides you with a, a huge range of skills um both um photographically as well as um in it, you know your personality how you deal with people etc so it, it's huge but it does um open the door to um, a business where there's there's demand isn't there there's people actively looking to to pay wedding photographers and it's fairly it's relatively well paid so I think that is kind of natural a natural easy access option for people um, and certainly I think that there would probably be um, a lot of people thinking along those lines um, without um, needing to um, go down the longer route, which I believe it, I do believe it's a longer route in landscape photography because the, the the immediate return isn't there. So, if you've got a family to support, which I did, I had two children at that time, um, and you know, for much of the period, I was I was supporting them myself. So we were looking at that sole income being uh, wedding photography. So if I was doing that through landscape photography, that would have been very difficult at that time without the the years of building up the landscape profile that I've now had, if that, if that makes sense. So it's taken me a, a lot longer. Um, although now my business is thriving in the landscape and I'm dropping back the weddings, it's taken a longer time to build up that profile. How old are your kids now? Uh, my kids now are um, 18 and 20. So, and yeah. How have they inspired you uh, in, in your photographic career? Oh, inspired me. That's, that's probably not the word for it. I don't think. What is the word then? <laughs> they created um, a demand for me to provide an income for them. That the that's harsh fair. reality of it is, this is when we're going back to the, the bones of it. Um, it was 10, 12 years ago, I, I divorced and it was a it was a terrible divorce um and not I know that most divorces aren't great but it was a pretty rough one because we lost our home and um literally everything that we had so I had to go back and go right how do I provide for these children and um this is where wedding photography was was there for me um and I was able to do that so I think that they 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 were the reason that I um I pushed and I I continued on with that business. Um, so I don't know that they've inspired me. I think now as they're getting older, 
I feel very, very um, grateful for having pursued my 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 dream in the landscape now because now they're looking at me going, look what my mum's doing. And if she can do it, what can I do with my creativity? So my old, oldest son is actually at university studying music. So he's following his dream, which is his music. And my younger one is actually... <laughs> doing the same thing he's also into music so I think it's been um, a real gift to them to watch me go through this process and to pursue this dream regardless of um, I didn't you know all the opportunities weren't there for me they weren't handed on a plate but I, I pursued them regardless. Do you think that experience you went through that rough divorce did it kind of overall strengthen you to chase after your dream now that you're able to? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that um, that period in my life was, it was hard, it was tough going, but it was the best time ever because um, as I, as I um, came out of this this relationship, the I started this sort of process of looking at myself, you know, taking a really good look at myself and my life, um, thinking, what is it that you, you're truly about? What is it you're truly passionate about? And what, what do you want from life? Um, and really going through a whole process of looking at, at myself, becoming more self-aware, understanding what I needed um, and adapting my life to suit that more. I started, um, the key to it was that at that period, I started to look after myself and fulfill my own creative needs. So during the, whilst I was married, I let, this is probably quite familiar to a lot of people, I'd let everything go um, where I was taking time for myself to be creative. So I wouldn't take trips to do my landscape photography and that I kind of um, fell, fell by the wayside because we become caregivers to family, etc. And you can often lose yourself in that. And I'm not blaming any, anybody but myself for that. I, 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 you know, I take full responsibility for that. But as I came out of this relationship and life completely changed I started to think what do I need for myself for my own wellness because I came out not not very well um physically because I hadn't been looking after myself and there is a there is evidence that if you don't take care of yourself your creative self you can become unwell now that's what happened to me and I started to realize look I, I I need to do this for myself so I started taking trips basically um and and shooting landscapes again um it was it was really pivotal in the journey that has led me to the place where I am now whereas where I'm constantly traveling around these islands I feel fulfilled creatively um I'm helping others in their own journeys through it which has been it's quite an important thing for me I, I like to help others and um, I think, inspire others through my own story. When you started to rediscover yourself creatively, what did yeah. that do for you uh, emotionally overall? Yeah, I mean, that was everything, I'd say. It was absolutely everything to, to me. I can't emphasize how important it is to take time creatively. When we, we look at creativity and we often put it as... Um, way down the list don't we it's like it's not essential is it we we and, and at the end of the day we do need to provide a um food and warmth and basic human needs to, to as a as an as a you know a basic but then we look at creativity and it's often oh well we'll, we'll get get round to that we <laughs> eventually and when everything else is done but actually it's it's something that we um we need we need 
we need for that for our emotional well-being we need to be creative and to be expressive uh, for mental wellness as well as as physical wellness um so i think that it's something that should be top of our priority list it's something that i speak about a lot because um from my own experience i came out of that period in my life um suffering with chronic migraines for instance so that's it when you look at um people who have let themselves um, suppress their creativity um, and come away with um, a, a physical embodiment of how hard that is on yourself. It's it's really quite interesting, and I think I'm testament to that. And once I started unblocking that and letting that, allowing that to release, um, I started to become well and happy and and fulfilled again. It's interesting. I'm a huge advocate for no feeling emotion that you have is a bad thing right yeah, yeah. um they all tell us something about our well-being both physically and mentally um if if i suppress that creativity my emotional spectrum immediately goes to anger and agitation mm-hmm. whereas if i you know practice that periodically and and pretty consistently based on what what I'm able to do with my schedule um I'm much more happy much more patient of a person what about you is does that um reflect on you at all yeah absolutely um I I need to to take that time to I I need to be out in the landscape I need to have that time um Another part of it for me is being alone. So being alone in the landscape is uh, very, very important. So um, it it's ties in a little bit with this time in my life where I started understanding myself and understanding um, that I'm an introvert and a lot of creatives are introverts. And that's um, often when we say introverts, it's a little bit like, well, yeah, it's a negative connotation to it, but actually it's a massively positive, um, especially for creatives, because creatives often create their best work when they're alone. And actually, when you start to think about that, um, it, it's true of a lot of things, a lot of inventions, etc. So we're, we're made by people in little you know garages and and um, workshops around the world historically um so i I was reading um susan kane the the power of um quite it's called quiet the power of introverts in a world that can't stop speaking at that time and that made me understand that need for myself to be alone to go and create and um i now take that time to go traveling by myself which is kind of foreign to a lot of people isn't it especially when you've got family I've got a partner um, I've got two children that I leave behind and I go off by myself it seems very luxurious doesn't it but I know that if I don't do that like like you said I'll just become agitated and and unhappy and um, it's 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 not what I need what I need um, for my own well-being is to go off do these things then come back to them and be a uh, hopefully a great parent and partner and and they are actually a very understanding family um, they understand this so that's that's um, very important for me does your partner or your kids do they ever call you out are they like hey you know <laughs> why don't you just like go for a few days just by yourself uh, well as in telling me to go away yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
please leave us alone. <laughs> um, no, actually, I think because I, I am actually way so much mm. that um, they're they're both they're, they're all very um, very understanding. Coming up in um, February March, I think I've got maybe you know over the course of two months I've got maybe seven days at home now so it's getting it's building up the more the older they the, the children have gotten the more obviously I can leave them once left home the other one's quite happy when I leave home and let him, let him have the house to himself um it's become easier obviously so I've I take more and more opportunity to go off um um traveling now um, I'm actually in Orkney now which is on the it's a small island off the north coast of Scotland um, my partner's with me on this occasion but I'm not here to to do photography so that's a separate thing but that only happens once a year um, but for the rest of the time I think I balance it quite well I try and balance my time at home with with my time with them and they do um, they do see that I come back happier why the Scottish islands that's a good question isn't it so um, I I think there might be something deeper to this because actually I was I was brought up in Manchester, which is um, I don't know if you how much you know about the um, you know the, so Manchester basically is a very is a big city in in England. Um, when I was growing up there, all I wanted to do was to get out and go to the to the countryside, which was just kind of a natural thing for me. And that was there throughout all my life as a child growing up. And so when I was 19, I um, I took a job up in the north of Scotland and I came up here for the first time and went, oh my goodness, I can't believe a place like this exists. It's it's wild, it's beautiful, it's remote. You know, you can drive for hours and, and just see some stags and sheep. And it's just great. I absolutely love it. And even as a teenager at that time, I just thought it was the best thing ever. Um, so I'm obviously naturally drawn to um, more more remote, wild, rugged places. Um, but when I was uh, around about, I think it was around about 30, um, I took a trip over to the islands because I was living on the west coast where the ferry went over to the islands and I'd heard about them but I'd never been and it was you know one of the trips that just I just remember in my mind the islands are one step more remote than um, the mainland where I live and just you know you get onto these places and they're just absolutely breathtaking um this, they've, they've got busier since then um but they still have this feeling of remote rawness and energy and great for photography. Um, but I think when I was saying there's something more to it, I, I um, recently was, well, maybe about three years ago, I was handed an album from my my grandmother, who was Dutch. She lived in Holland all her life, but she um, took a trip around the Scottish islands when in the 80s, back in the 80s, and she recorded it all in these books. And I wonder whether I'd seen that in my childhood because we spent a lot of time with her. She meant a lot to me. wonder whether there was a memory of that. And um, I'm, it, it may be just recorded in my brain there because it was something that I'd always wanted to do and something that I, f I feel very connected to the islands. Um, and I suppose there's a, a range of reasons for that. It sounds like it gives you a chance to breathe and, and it could be, you know, your experience growing up in Manchester or just that, you know, it's always been a dream for you to, to spend a lot of time out there. Yeah. It's an amazing way of saying it to breathe. Exactly. It's exactly 
that's exactly what I feel when I come over. I just like let out this sort of, like, oh, I'm, I feel like I'm home almost, which is um, strange because it's a kind of, it's like a second home, I suppose. And in um, Harris and Lewis, which is the Outer Hebrides, where I've spent most of my time over the past 10 years, um, it really does feel like a, a bit of a second home. Um, but it is that, maybe it's to do with the fact that when I'm there, I'm often traveling alone by myself. I'm in my van, so it's very peaceful. Um, I often spend time where I'm out of signal. So that constant connectivity stops and you know yourself when you're running um, a couple of businesses it's it's busy isn't it you know you're busy all the time when you're self-employed and when I'm out there I um I'm I'm yeah I'm alone I'm free I'm on the road um I'm often yet not in communication and I'm shooting the landscapes that I feel that just make me feel so um happy and fulfilled so that's probably part of my my love of the islands it's just grown it feeds itself almost what do the islands give you as a photographer? Um, as a photographer, they they provide the the seascapes, I suppose, that I'm I'm searching for. So I'm very very much drawn to waves. Is um, the the one if I was to describe what I I love shooting, I would shoot over and over again. And I suppose when we look at what um, what we photograph, what we love shooting, it's it's all tied up in what we love as a, as, a, as people. So my my passion is uh, waves. I, I was a surfer a long time ago, um, a really bad one, but I just enjoyed being <laughs> out in the water. And a lot of my work is to do with water and the experience of being by water. So the islands, I suppose, by by definition of being very small islands, have a lot of water and a lot of coastline. <laughs> and um, some of these islands have incredible waves. So, for instance, yesterday, actually, on Orkney, we had a very unusual day. It was extremely unusual that, in that it was... Um, actually sunny and there was no wind which is um amazing for january and Orkney. it's usually blowing a gale um, but there was very big surf so the surf was about um 15 to 20 foot and clean which means the wind was in the right direction the waves were perfect to photograph so um they, they i suppose they give me they provide me the opportunity to photograph what i love photographing and to be on location all the time. So I'm often parking very close to these places and spending time with, with the waves. Did you get out on your board yesterday? Oh, no. I think I might have um, never come back if I'd gotten on board yesterday. <laughs> what, what would happen now if you had gotten out on your board? <laughs> I did say I was a really bad surfer. But in um, in Hockney, the it's really wild like it's it's like I don't know even where you would surf here there's some places that it just it's not surfable there's it's all rocks and reefs and huge swells coming in so um yeah I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now (laughs) (laughs) I've asked this question before to a few photographers who've been on who describe their images as quiet um let's see Adam Gibbs uh, with Quiet Light, Jeffrey Stone, um, just to name a couple. When you talk about your photography and it's on the front page of your website, it says Quiet Landscapes. <laughs> to you, what are those? Yeah, it's um, it's a big thing, the word quiet for me, actually. In fact, the, the exhibition, I had a solo exhibition, which was um, incredible in the Bosom Gallery um, a few years ago, and I called it Quiet. 
and it was all tied up with the um, not only the the quiet places. So there's a few few things going on here when you say the word quiet. There's the quiet places that I am going to, and that's why I, my business is called Quiet Landscapes because these islands are so remote. They are very quiet, and often you know if you're here in February, there's there's not many people about, and you you'll you'll be alone on a beach. There won't be anybody else if you're shooting. Um, so it's having that going the ability to go to these these places which are physically quiet um they also it's it's also to do with the 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 actual um sound so the silence is is a big part for me as well i um just i just love real physical quiet i don't um i just kind of need that time it's like respite isn't it so that's all tied up with it but then we're talking about images being quiet um, it's interesting, isn't it? Actually, when you when you start talking about it, it is quite interesting because a lot of it's to do with the feelings behind it. So, the feelings of me feeling that that, that quiet space and the lack of noise. Um, but I do think that images are just representations of what we're feeling at the time. For for, for me, it certainly is. Um, but there's also the the um, the contradiction, isn't there? So a lot of people say you say your images are quiet, but actually they're of huge crashing waves so surely it wasn't quite quiet at the time um I know it wasn't but I was I was feeling that quiet in myself if you could take us behind the scenes of your mind when that's going on loud noises stormy weather you know intense weather conditions but you're focused you're in the zone you're in flow state what what happens to you during that yeah, it is that. It's definitely uh, that flow state that I'm in when when that happens, and um, I can only describe it as you know you're, you're standing there, and even though the, these these huge waves are crashing in front of me, I feel completely, um, I suppose, at peace with myself, um, happy. If anybody's ever felt completely content and happy um, creating something, you'll know what I'm talking about. And that to me feels very, very quiet and very, very still. So for instance, yesterday I sat on a rock. Um, I didn't move much from that rock, actually. <laughs> I found a great place to photograph some waves. And I sat there for two hours. And um, for me, that was perfect peace and quiet. But yeah, it was it was actually really noisy with the, <laughs> the waves coming in. But to, to me, it's more about how I'm feeling. Um, and, it, and it is... Uh, you know, as I say, it is more about that because I love that. It wouldn't be quiet to somebody who um, doesn't like waves. <laughs> they would be not feeling that peace and, and calmness, would they? They'd be wanting to go somewhere else or feeling a little bit discontented. So I suppose, um, as I'm talking around in a circle there, I suppose what I'm saying is that anything that you truly, truly respond to and truly love deep in your soul um, can give you that that feeling um, but it has to be something that's that's you know it, it's to do with you and your experiences and um, what it is you truly love. It's a much better answer than what Adam gave me when I asked him <laughs> that. Who who just said that's because he's lazy and wants to sleep in in the mornings? Really? Yeah. He's lazy. Oh well. <laughs> do you know that? Actually, taking up on that point, I um I actually love the early mornings, and that's another reason that I love getting up. I often, if it's summer here, it's like, gets really um, light, really late at the moment. It's like half eight before it's light now. But in the summer months, I'm up at five, uh, you know, four or five to be out there when no one else is there. And that again is that the time before um, everybody's got up at 
bed. <laughs> Nobody's on the street, so you're not getting the car noises, you're not getting the people and that sort of buzz. And you know that everybody else is not is missing this. And you can have that place to yourself and you can just hear the nature noises. So I think getting out of bed is is um is a very good thing actually. <laughs> I agree. If I go back to my experiences with seascapes, personally it's it's that morning time just going out walking you know taking my shoes off barefoot in the cold sand uh everything is windswept and new it's like you have that gateway into the new day before anybody else is out there and and you get to see it firsthand yeah, it's a big part of my work, actually. I think most of my work's created um, in the first few hours of the day. It goes down a hill after that because I get really tired because I get up too early. <laughs> <laughs> this, hey, that's why they make coffee and tea, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I briefly read something on your website, and I, we've talked about mindfulness before on the podcast, um, but we haven't done it in a long time. Um, what is mindfulness photography for you? So it's a, it's a funny word, isn't it? Mindfulness. It's because Mm -hmm. it's, um, I think because it's become a little bit of a buzzword and it's, it's a bit Mm -hmm. confusing for people, isn't it? So, um, you're like, well, what, what actually is it? What, what is, what does, what do you actually do when you're being mindful and you're photographing? But I actually think photography is like the, the physical embodiment of mindfulness. So, um, we often talk about mindfulness in conjunction with meditation, um, where you're just sitting, you know, and you're clearing your mind and you're focusing. I'm really not so good at that at all, but I do, I do feel that I practice mindfulness um, naturally through my photography. So, as we were talking like yesterday, where I was sitting on that that rock yesterday. And becoming completely focused on what's in front of you and forgetting everything else that's difficult or, you know, not you're not thinking about the bills or, or anything else that's going on in your life. And you have those hours where you're you're looking through the lens and that's all that matters and you're starting to notice. It's it's really open awareness and it's so you it's focusing the mind on what's in front of you at that very moment. And what better way to do it than through photography? Because you have to concentrate on what the light's doing, what's happening in that scene. Because if you lose concentration, you start thinking about something else, then you know you've missed it, haven't you? Or you've missed the point, or you're not in that zone and you're not going to capture those images that you set out for. Um so naturally I think that um, if you find, again, we're coming back to this thing, which I think is so, so important, is finding that thing that you really love. Um, it's one of the things that people find hardest to do. But I think when you do find that that real thing that really captures your heart and your attention, you're naturally um, being mindful about that. And and when you when you add in being alone and having that that time to 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 be quiet and just to focus on everything, you come away feeling incredible because your mind's had a break um if you think of mindfulness as as giving your mind a break from all the the nonsense it talks about it you know we we talk to ourselves more than we we realize and um if you can have a two-hour break from that you, you come away refreshed and happy and that's part of um why i come back from shoots and and um trips um happy happier than when i went how are you able to stay in that moment of mindfulness we called it flow state earlier just kind of like your little zen moment um 
this is probably like a selfish question for me because I struggle <laughs> with my mind bounces okay. all over the place. You know, right. emails here, um, <laughs> to-do list there when you get home. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder um, if that's that's a, a deeper thing then. So not necessarily for you. I'm not, not saying that this is for you, but I think mm. that one of the things that people struggle with, and I've seen it with my workshop clients, you know, they they come into these incredible locations, but they can't quite um, just enjoy that moment. They can't quite thinking, well, what, what else is there around the corner? Can we go somewhere else? Can, you know, can we go, is there somewhere we're missing? What, what are we missing? It's a big mm. thing, actually. Um, and I, I do think it's something that is, is again, it's, it's deeper than just practicing photography. I think we have, um, we have to start working on things such as um, fear of failure perfectionism and also um not worrying about um validation which is probably the biggie here so if you're on a on a beach and you're you're thinking which is quite common i think you're thinking well if do you think this scene um people will like it if i take a picture will i get likes will it will it do well will it be part of thinking all of those things you're never going to get into that zone of of being content with that moment so once we start to let go of those um those that need for validation i suppose which is is pretty hard these days in in the a world of you know social media and and the need to be online all the time but if we let go of that and then we can be content with whatever it is that we create on that beach in that moment we can be content with what we have not thinking that something better is around the corner and not worrying that we're going to it's not going to be good enough because to be honest with you yesterday probably um, that two hours that I was on that rock, I've just gone through the images, and actually they aren't um, they aren't great. I probably won't edit them, but I mean, because the light wasn't quite right, mm-hmm. um, so it was very tricky light. It was it was, but it was a beautiful experience. So I'm I can actually let that go and just say, well, do you know what? I had a beautiful morning. I went back out in the afternoon, and I um, took a few images as I was walk- just walking along. And they were amazing. So that's that's what I came away for the day. But I was quite happy with that. I was quite, and and I think that we need to start um, thinking along those lines of of being content, and then it's easier to stay in that moment. Was that a learned practice for you? I think so. Yes, yes, and I think it is for anybody. I think um, uh, we we all come come at life with with problems such as um, you know the. The way we negative beliefs, um, you know, beating yourself up, um, needing validation. Perfect. A lot of people suffer with perfectionism. I don't actually. It's just some. That's something that um, has, has never been a problem for me, um, which is very freeing. Perfectionism is something that stops a lot of people. But for me, I've I've always been quite freely um, creative, which is a gift that my mother gave me. I think as a as a child, you know, being very very encouraging. Um, so. I do think that, um, but I do think that the other things we definitely have to learn, don't we? Because I mean, we all we all have um, traits that we need to understand. But it, it comes back to that self awareness, doesn't it? You know, we have to go. Okay, um, you know, I, I struggle with I struggle with the need for validation. I've struggled with the inner critic telling myself I'm not good enough, etc. Um, but it, definitely, it's something that I I work on consciously and have worked on for for several years now. I think the most interesting phrase you said that your sometimes your workshop clients talk about is well what are we missing what could we be missing over there and Mm -hmm. and 
if I think back to um, my photography over time and, and where that's gone, um, that phrase in and of itself is the one phrase that can d- d- deter you from that flow state. Uh, if yeah. I uh, think back to uh, you know a counselor who was helping me at one time, we were going through this same situation. You know what? What if I decide this and and don't decide this and go down you know one path? What if I made the wrong decision? And you know I I can remember them saying. Uh, what if there is no right or wrong decision? It's just a choice that you make that leads you down a different path. Um, that there is no really right or wrong. It just is what it is. And and for me, if I relate that back to my photography and, and correct me if I'm wrong here for, for you, I don't want to put any, um, (laughs) practices back on you, but, uh, it, it helps me stay, in the moment and honestly helps me let go of the thought of, you know, FOMO or fear of missing out. Yeah, I t- totally agree with that. I think, um, yeah, absolutely. There is, there is no right or wrong as there. there's, it's, it's only, it's, it's more important to enjoy that moment that you're actually in. Um, and it's, it's particularly relevant for photography. Um, definitely because we could be, uh, rushing around to the next, the next bit, the next bit see what's around the corner like yesterday was just a one in a a year two yearly experience in terms of the weather conditions but I stayed in that one location on the on a little bit of cliff edge um, for the entire day despite the thought well actually over there is probably going to be great over there Um, but you, you just let that go and you go well um we'll we'll just just stay here for the experience and um see how it goes and your odds of um becoming content and then relaxing and releasing your creativity um go up massively by letting go of that fear of missing out um and then you naturally create better so you know the images that I did create in the end were were, were um, pretty pretty lovely. I'm allowed to say that myself. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's definitely a, a big thing to to be able to let go. How do you teach that to your clients, though? I think it's um, I think it's that kind of you know when you're you're teaching um, you're teaching people and you're taking people to places and you're naturally very. Um, calm and relaxed it rubs off on other people doesn't it and they start to think well actually you know if if that's how somebody else is behaving you know that's going to make me feel more calm and relaxed and not worry about going to different locations so it's very clear from the outset with my with my workshops for instance that we don't rush around um and go you know storm up a hill for you know four o'clock in the morning as fast as we possibly can um and if we miss the sunset because we've gone a bit slow sunrise or the sunset whatever um it's okay so it's it's very very clear from the outset it's a very it's a much more gentle um approach to photography so um but then i think i think that you know a lot of people learn um as i've just said through through watching others it's a bit like children isn't it they they learn through their parents' actions. Um, it doesn't matter what you teach them. They're just going to watch you and, and copy you or absorb that and then eventually learn that. That's interesting. I've never thought of it that way before. Is that how you approach yeah. all of your workshops? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, um, actually, I do um, a lot of, um, 
you know, talking on these kind of subjects. So, um, you know, I, I, I definitely try to um, impress upon them my um, ethos when it comes to photography, because I think that that's, um, that's the only thing that we have, isn't it? When we're looking at workshops, there's a, there's a million workshops out there going to different places and and great photographers and, you know, their work is, it's all, it's all great, but it, how do you define, um, how do you differentiate between um, which which one are you going to go and it's the person, isn't it? It's the person, what they stand for and how they um, can inspire people. I think that's the important thing. I think we can teach um, the technicals, we can teach composition, etc. But I don't think that's the important bit behind photography. I think it's inspiring others to be creative and to to feel like um, they're valid and their work is valid and and to uplift them. Um, I may be gone off on a tangent on that one, but I think I feel really pa- passionate about that. And I, when I've looked at, at structuring my own business, um, I went through the process of thinking, well, how do we differentiate um, between this one and this one? And why would people buy this and not that? But actually, it's you, isn't it? It's it's you and how you behave and how you inspire others. It's the important bit. So if anybody signs up for a workshop with you, what are they signing up for and who are they going to get? Um, they'll always get me. <laughs> so it's always, it's it's all, you know, I put my my heart into my business, as, a, as many people do, don't they? You know, we all... Um, we all put a lot into our to our to our businesses when we're self-employed. But for for, for me, um, I'm always looking out for um, providing the best experience for the, for the people that come along on my workshop. And going above that, I think, um, giving a more personal service and um, I, I just taking care of people. And I suppose it comes back to that kind of. Um, empathy I suppose for people and what they need so um, you know realizing that if you're standing out outdoors in the north of Scotland with a group of of, you know six people in the rain and the cold all day seeing if somebody is cold and needing to go home or if somebody is like oh that person's not quite so happy going and seeing to their needs because I think that sort of empathy is is really really important in today's world um, so I suppose what I'm saying is that I'm no different to a lot of other um, workshops that are taking people to places, but I, I hopefully have more um, authentic kind of empathy for people and an understanding of what they want and they need. Do you ever get those experiences, though, with that empathy for people, uh, yeah. that, that people are much more willing to talk about what the experience means for them with you or maybe like a revelation, a breakthrough that they've had through their photography during your workshops. Oh yeah. I I think for me, it's, it's the most um, uplifting experience when somebody comes to me afterwards and say, says, tells me that was incredible. That's for me, that's what teaching is about. When somebody comes back and says that changed something for me, or, you know, that was an incredible experience and I really needed that. That is, that is why I'm doing it. I think, you know, it's, um, it's all very well me, me saying it's my business, et cetera, and I need to earn this. But but for, in terms of teaching, it comes from a place of wanting to help people and to inspire people. So when they come back and say, um, things have changed for me, um, that just is just incredible. Why do you think that happens for introverts, though? Because I, I, I 
personally have seen introverts be much more empathetic to people and want to teach them, but at the same time <laughs> want to be alone. It's a very strange yeah. <laughs> thing. I, I don't know. I found that very often. Yeah. I, yeah. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because you, you have this need to be alone, don't you? Um, and it's hard sometimes to be with people for, you know, the, a week, you know, uh -huh. not because of them, but because of, of you uh -huh. and you, you're needing that time. I find that I can do it for that week. Um, and at the end of it, I need three days at least to just recover. <laughs> and, um, and then I need a week alone to go and shoot by myself. So I always schedule um, a week on and then a week and a half off, etc. So I'm, I'm revitalized by the time I go into the next one because it's very, it's it's energy draining, but I do think that um, um, without putting down extroverts, it's <laughs> it's um, introverts are much more um, aware of others' needs. So extroverts can be, um, yeah, I've got to be careful with what I say there. <laughs> extroverts can, I think introverts are just a little bit, have that bit more sensitivity and empathy, and you tend to find um, empathy um HSP, which is highly sensitive person, mm -hmm. and introverts go go hand in hand, and you find these type of people who um, you, you just are just a little bit understanding, a bit more aware of other people's feelings. Whereas, whereas extroverts are just naturally um, they've got their own strengths. They're 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 great in crowds, and they're great at you know keeping things going, and they're um, very talkative, and it's and it's lovely. Um, it's different, but. They, they tend not to have as much um, awareness about themselves um, in that sort of scenario. Do you think the majority of people signing up for workshops are introverts or extroverts? For my workshops, it's it's actually a bit of a mix. Um, huh. Yeah, it's it's funny because it, it can be very mixed. Probably, um, probably because I haven't had experience of other people's workshops. It's probably more leaning towards the introverts than I I. Um, know or imagine um but i do think that, that it can be mixed i think the introverts who do sign up um have a um a better experience probably because if you've got a you've got a one extrovert and five introverts it's always a little bit jarring isn't it but you can't say that you can put a line there and say well um introverts only apply because it doesn't work doesn't it and actually some extroverts work really well with me and and I you know they're, they're amazing people so um it's a funny one isn't it it is I think you know it, extroverts to me you know they feed off public and, and social yeah. interaction um so larger workshops or full workshops I think tend to benefit them um yeah. And for me, you know, I'm all about a private workshop, one on one with yeah. somebody. Just take me to the place, and we can just shoot in complete silence. It's it's a really funny, <laughs> right? Yeah, per personalities, and this is something that I've really gotten into the past three right. or four years. Personalities, it, they're really fascinating to me. Have you done any of the um, tests, or you know, I I hate to put people in a box but uh, yeah just learning about them it, it helps me a lot yeah I, I think when I was doing my own um, research I, I did a lot a lot of learning about myself and understanding about myself so um, because I do think that introverts get a bad um, they have a bad name don't they in, in social um, in society unfortunately um, I do think that a lot of introverts get missed out I think we've got a lot of talented 
um, introverts who are working creatively, but they are falling behind because the likes of social media, um, even like podcasting, it, it drains you, doesn't it? Even though you, you enjoy talking about the things that um, light you up, and this is why I like this sort of thing, because we're talking something really quite deep and, and interesting. Um, but at the same time, it's not your natural being. So so extroverts will naturally be out on social media, on lives all the time. And sometimes, I don't know if this feels right for you as well, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, why can't I do that all the time? And and they'll gain traction faster. They just will naturally, by showing up all the time and um, doing what they do and thriving off that, they'll they'll gain, gain traction. And um, Whereas introverts, I think they really do um, struggle more. And so it, it's one of the frustrations for me has always been that I think that a lot of um, really, really talented uh, creatives are going unnoticed or, or missed because of that. So it is one of the things that I, I like to talk about a lot to to encourage that and um, to, to spotlight uh, introverted, talented creatives. And um, it's often by chance that I, that I come across them, but I can usually usually tell by I feel a connection with people who are introverts and you can you can often I don't do you feel this you can you can see it in people's faces um I can usually you know read a personality fairly quickly definitely especially behind a camera you can spot um if you're doing something that is a little bit slower paced photography I feel like maybe uh, waterfall, some abstract photography, small scenes, you can tell who's an introvert because they basically, I mean, in my experience, they eat that stuff up. I, yeah. they'll, they'll play with different ideas and concepts all day long. Whereas extroverts, and, and this is interesting too, I've never really thought deeply about this, tend to gravitate towards the big like dynamic (laughs) landscape that you know screams out of the camera back at you um that's so funny isn't it yeah yeah absolutely right and when you look at the the work that um the the two types of personalities create you're absolutely right tends to be much more um like the personality isn't it when we're talking we're talking about photography just being a reflection of of who you are and what you love in life then then actually naturally what naturally leads to the work that re- that reflects that doesn't it so extroverts by that um equation would naturally create work that's a little bit more in your face and big and grand and and maybe a little bit more saturated whereas introverts would create work like mine a quiet work um that's a bit more peaceful and a bit more slow and and again not as not necessarily as eye catching as as the the louder work so it doesn't always catch the attention of um you know of of others as as easily so it, it does sometimes feel like it's twice as hard as an introvert to to be creative <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. it's funny too because it brings us back to the paradox for you the the quiet scenes but yeah. in the loud landscape you could easily you know strap on a a wide angle lens and photograph the wild dynamic fiercity of a storm and use a lot of contrast in the clouds and you know bring out a lot of energy but it's got to take devotion to yourself as a creative to stick to what you know stick to what's true to yourself do you find that to be true yeah i i i i totally resonate with what you're saying there because I um 
going back to um, social media, I suppose, I know that when you um, pop an image up there that's like wild and powerful and you know, energetic and and raw, it'll always gain a lot more attention than the the quieter, um, longer exposure of the same same waves. Um, but I I just know it because um, it's just proven. <laughs> it's actually proven concept. So, but for me, it, you know, sometimes I do do that, but never actually not very rarely a wide angle. Actually, I, I don't even possess one. So, <laughs> um, you don't I, yeah, have I one at all. Well, I do, do you know, I, the only reason I have a wide angle is um, for a night sky photography. So when I'm, if I'm doing stars or, you know, mm. uh, northern lights, et cetera, um, I have a wide angle. But mostly what's on my um, my camera is a zoom lens. So w- whatever that would be, or a prime, 250mm prime. Um, and I'll, I'll just shoot with that. And, and that, to me, I suppose that's kind of in tune with the sort of style it's a bit more intimate it's a little bit more it slows me down because a longer lens of that weight slows you down doesn't it um and it also gives you and then i'm using filters to slow down the shutter so it gives me that sort of quieter softer feeling um so there is that thought that yes i understand um you know about capturing this sort of like raw energy as well but it's not what i want to do and it's not what i want to achieve so I'll just continue to do what I think's um, truly right for me um, and, and trust that intuition, I suppose. And I think that when we, when you consistently do something and you, you, you continue to photograph it in that manner, you learn, don't you? And then you refine and you get better. And it, and we're talking years here of refining. So, and it's that, that dedication that going back to the introvert thing again, um, you tend to find introverts are really good at the long game. You know, they'll play the long game, the dedication game, and they'll keep going regardless. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's that's something, you know, that's um, important in my work. Do you think of yourself as an ambassador to introverts? I would like to. <laughs> I would like to be able to, um, uh, yeah, I'd like to be able to speak more about it, I suppose, um, and help other people come through um, the the barriers that that we face um, because I certainly know that, that that it took me a long time to accept myself um, and probably you know you might find this familiar with yourself when you know when you're a child you're told to come out of yourself and you know, go and take part and be part of the crowd and you know and then you're, you're a teenager and you're thinking well I should be at these parties and I should should be enjoying this like everyone else and you're naturally um, made to feel bad about your own natural being as as we grow up in this society. So I think that the more that we talk about um, introversion, the better. And I would like to certainly like to help other people feel um, much better about themselves because I think it would open up um, a whole world to them and uh, also a feeling of contentment, which is it's, it's important, isn't it? That is, that is so important to feel content and happy with yourself and to be um, self love is so so important. So, yeah, I would like to to um, to 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 spotlight that more. I do. I often find that I'm naturally, and I'm not doing this intentionally, but I naturally um, interview um, introverts on my my own podcast. So, um, probably because I'm picking up their their vibe and their work, and I'm liking it. <laughs> so, um, I, I tend to um, yeah, they tend to be introverts and. I'm also this this year. I'm creating a little, a, a very small um, creative festival in the north of Scotland, and again, 
um, just by just just by chance, so most of the speakers and the workshop leaders are uh, introverts. <laughs> it's interesting you you talk about that, and as I, re- I reflect on my own experience throughout my life, you know, the one comment that has always come up that's used as like almost like talking down to me as as an introvert yeah. is uh, just the the statement "You're so quiet," and <laughs> I'm like, well. Yeah, but at the time, you know, you're thinking to yourself, well, I, sh- I should be able to hold a-, a longer conversation to carry on something that even if I'm not comfortable doing, you know, that makes you feel like you should be able to do that. Whereas now I've come to accept, yeah. well, yeah, I'm just like, you have to give me a moment. I'm just thinking about everything. Yeah, but I also think that part of it is that introverts just don't have the desire to have a long conversation about nothing so extroverts will talk happily about things um you know just general stuff um whereas introverts will be much more um light lit up in the Mm. company of other people who have something really deep and thoughtful to talk about so photography um so you know we don't we don't have to you know, want to take part in these these long conversations about nothing, <laughs> and we have to accept that that's okay. Um, and where we come into our own is when we have these deep and meaningful conversations about stuff that really matters to us. Um, maybe do you, do you find that? I do, I do. But at the same time, I think about stuff that I enjoy. Uh, mm-hmm. Favorite TV show is Seinfeld of all time, and it's a TV <laughs> show about literally nothing. Um, and I find it fascinating because I, you know, notice the same little everyday strangeties in the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody wants to go and, and find you and, and follow your journey, uh, where, where can they go to find more out about you? And, and can you also tell us, uh, what's coming up for you in, in the next couple of months in the next year? Yeah, sure. So uh, mostly um, Instagram's a great place because it's it's Margaret Soraya, which is just my name on Instagram. I tend to share a lot of my thoughts um, on there, which is it's a great place to be. My my website is margaretsoraya.com and my workshops website is uh, Quiet Landscapes. So I've got several several things going on. I've also got the podcast, uh, which is Quiet Landscapes. Um, I seem to have just built these up over the years and <laughs> it seems to be evolving, <laughs> which is great. Um, so coming up this year, I um, I have uh, quite a few workshops this year. They're all pretty much sold out, which is a fantastic place to be. But I, you know, I'm going back between the Hebrides and Orkney um, all year. And then the festival in October, um, which will be in, in Loch Ness. I haven't released it yet, but probably by the time we publish this, it'll be online, um, which is called Creative Light. Um, I also, just one more thing, I have a, a membership, which is online, and that's Creative Haven. So lots of different places that you can find me online. That's great. That's great. Well, Margaret, I just want to thank you so much for joining us and, and talking photography and having such a, a profound and deep conversation. It was lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much.